good afternoon. <clears throat> that is weird to say, and I am probably going to say this morning about four times. So bear with me. I'm a creature of habit. Uh, we have been in this Advent series, and the thing that we've been working through is that while the Gospel of John doesn't have a direct reference to the story of the birth of Christ, John does have an Advent. And so we've been talking about that. Week one, we talked about how Jesus, the light of the world, came as the living word. Jesus came to shed light on what the scripture means for us to actually walk it out. He's the light of the word, world, the living word. And so because of that, we have hope, yes. right? And then uh, week two, we talked about um, Jesus at the wedding feast, and uh, we talked about joy. We've talked about Jesus and cleansing of the temple, and we've talked about Jesus bringing hope and love through the cleansing of the temple, but we've been working through this wedding motif of Jesus coming as the light of the world and then calling his bride, John 2, and then giving her a sense of identity, John, the end of John 2 and the cleansing of the temple. And so last week we talked about the, te- the tension of the tassel, the, the white threads that call us to be set apart, but those blue threads that cause us to engage the world in a particular kind of way, in a way that is consistent with what Jesus would do because he's the one that sheds light on what it means to walk out the word of God. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so what we're gonna do today is we're going to look at another story that in this context is super critical for us to understand. One of the huge mistakes that we make as Western Christians is pulling scriptures out of their context, deciding what they mean, and then sticking them back into their context and making them say that. We're really good at that. The problem is that's just really bad Bible study. We've got to know that there's this particular flow that John has been moving with and his brain doesn't automatically jump to another place. It's consistent. And so he's been talking about Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus takes his bride. Jesus calls her back to her sense of herself, his cleansing of the temple. And now he's going to have another conversation with a guy by the name of Nicodemus all about identity. This is about who you are supposed to be in the world. And so that's really important. Let's jump into John 3 as we move forward. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now last week we talked about the temple and its system and how it puts God on display. This week we're going to talk about Jewish teaching And how it puts God on display. Jesus is going to call them into account as well. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, which by the way, you should probably take note of that, that it was at night. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher that comes from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we talk about this about, well, born again, you got to be born again, it's about salvation. Now, one level, yes. Yes, that is. But what I want to propose to you is that salvation is not the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Now, can you have that conversation from this passage? Sure, but that's not the conversation that, that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Anytime that Jews talk about being born again, they're going to go back to the crossing of the Red Sea. So what we should see, because this is their birth as a nation, when they come out of Egypt and they come through the Red Sea, this is their birth. Now, if you've been journeying with our church for a while, you know this. We know that the bloody doorposts and all that stuff, everything that God does there, it's a picture of birth. And they come out of Egypt as God's behor, his firstborn over all creation, their job to put him on display to the world. By the way, that seems awfully consistent with what we've been talking about over Advent, hasn't it? That it's all about putting God on display to the world. That's always what it's been about. All the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12. I'm going to make you great so that you can be a blessing to all nations. That's always been our call. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Now, why does he miss it? Some speculation here, but here's what I think. This is the gospel according to me, so you can disregard all of this, what I'm about to say. But I'm right. Just throw that out. I don't think Nicodemus thinks that he's lost his identity as a Jew. So when Jesus says you have to be born again, he's like, from what? What's what's the problem? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. By the way, anytime. Go to any Orthodox Jew. You connect water and spirit and birth together. Ask what story comes to their mind. Red Sea, it's the Red Sea. This is all about the Red Sea. This is all about their birth as a nation when the waters parted and they came through. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blow, by the way, anybody ever read this passage before and gone, huh? Like, I, What? Anybody ever read this passage before? Anyone? Good, good. You guys got it all figured out. This is one of those passages that you're like, this is confusing. Like, this, this seems like it's kind of dumb. Please understand this. What we're going to find out in a minute is that Nicodemus is called the teacher of Israel. He's not a teacher of Israel. He's the teacher of Israel. And that matters because that means that he's a pretty sharp cookie, So we would imagine that whatever conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus, that this is going to be deep. This is going to be like profound, heavy, deep, loaded theological stuff going on, right? Wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Let me tell you what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, 
if you were born of the Spirit, you would know that when the Spirit of God is up to something, you should be a part of it. Go back to what Nicodemus has already said. We know that you're from God because nobody could do the things you do unless God was with them. The problem is we don't know what to do with what you say. What Jesus says to him is, look, if you were born of the Spirit, you would join the Spirit where he's working. What Nicodemus says is, I I cannot. I cannot do that. Now the question is why? What's his problem? Well, the reason is because what Jesus is doing is absolutely counterculture to the traditions of their day. He's touching unclean people. He's getting into messy places. He's not disconnecting from the Gentiles. He's engaging them, loving them, having dinner with tax collectors. <laughs> he's, he's doing crazy. This is stuff that they're like, no, like we've already decided that that's bad. We've already decided that's terrible. Like, no. That's not possible. And what Jesus says is, oh, it's possible. And if you were born of the Spirit, you'd be doing it too. So take that. So there's a guy. Uh, his name, he was a rabbi back in the 70s and 80s. His name was Menachem Snearson. Good Jewish name. Menachem Snearson. Now Menachem Snearson, his followers believed that he was the Messiah. When he died, his followers left his, ta- his body on a table for 12 days but believing he would raise from the dead until it started to stink and then they had to do something with it. I was just in Israel a year and a half ago and on a, on a road sign, on the back side of a road sign that we saw we were walking on the road, on the back side of that sign, there was a sticker with Menachem Snearson on it and in Hebrew it said, behold Israel, your Messiah. That was just a year and a half ago and he's been dead since the 80s. Like Menachem Snearson's a big deal. Here's what he says about Torah. This is how entrenched the Jews are in understanding Torah. He says that as a builder looks into the blueprints and builds a building, so God looked into Torah and created the world. Even God himself is bound by Torah. This is the level at which they hold the law. And Jesus says, You guys have held the law, but you've lost your identity in the world. You've lost who you are. You've got to go back and be reborn and do what you were called to do in the beginning. You were supposed to be the behor of all creation. You were supposed to be the firstborn that stewards the resources for every nation. You were supposed to be the people who put me on display in a way that makes everybody better. And you've lost it. Jesus came to be a light to what the word of God says. Now, maybe this light theme is going to circle around. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, then how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now let me do this one quickly. 
the snake, the bronze snake was lifted up on a pole because children of Israel complained in the desert, God sent snakes on them, which is gives you a little insight on how God feels about complaining. Right? This was your problem. You get over it. So God says to Moses, make the bronze snake and lift it up on a stick as a banner to the Lord. Now here's the thing. These guys just came out of Egypt. In Egypt, a banner is never about the banner. The banner sits at the front of the temple. And the way that the temples were designed, they were designed so that the wind currents would always blow the banners into the temple. So that people could see not the banner, but what the banner was pointing to. The banner was a focus towards what's beyond. So God puts a snake on a pole as a banner. And they bow down and they have to look up, not because of the snake, but because the snake forces them to see what's beyond. Are you with me? Jesus says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness as a banner to point towards what's beyond, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? To point to what? To what's beyond. Don't ever lose that. Okay. So that uh, for God so loved the world, ooh, ooh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we focus on the perish and eternal life part of this and we completely miss the for God so loved the world. That's our identity. That's what Jesus has been calling them back to. You were supposed to be a people that put God on display in a way that was a benefit for all nations. That's who you are. Because God, next slide, did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Which ought to frame our conversations. Like if our conversations with the world are in a perspective of condemnation, we've missed it. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And here we come back full circle. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does, does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. All right. Uh, I'm gonna keep this quick. We're gonna work through some implications here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna work through these as we tie this series down and as we think about what it means for us to enter into the next couple of days remembering the birth of Christ. First implication. Jesus reveals himself to us so that we can reveal him to others. Jesus becomes the light of the world. This is John's advent, shedding light on the word of God. If you guys remember that, it was all dark over here, and it was all light on that great big Bible. Right? Jesus came as a light to reveal himself to us so that we can put him on display to others. And I would just suggest that when we put our religion on display, we are not putting our truth on display, we're putting our Jesus on display. Yeah. 
Are you with me? And that matters drastically in how we have this conversation. It matters drastically in how we have this conversation. Next implication. The goal of the advent, the arrival of Christ, is bringing life to dead places. And so I would just say that perhaps it's time for you guys to maybe assess. Maybe, maybe this Christmas we take an inventory and say, where are the dead places that I'm bringing life to? Where are they? Because that's where we would find Jesus. Next implication. God invites us to a community, his church, or as a community, his church, to become a light in dark places. As you think about lighting those candles, like this is a symbol. We've been using props this whole series, right? You guys got tassels and you got all party hats and all that stuff. But listen, if we don't get this one right, none of the rest of it matters. We've been called to take light to dark places. And I would suggest that perhaps... Uh, this Christmas, it might be good for you to sit down as a family and discuss where are the dark places we're bringing light to? Where are the places that know about Christ that didn't know about Christ because we chose to be light there? That's not bragging, that's being on mission. So as you guys sit here and maybe kind of contemplate that, you can maybe make notes on your sermon notes if you want to, but uh, don't stand for this song. The, the band is going to share a song, but we'd like for you to consider that as you um, think about your light in dark places.